I think I'm unmuted, right? Yeah. Can you hear me? <clears throat> okay, good morning, church. The Lord be with you. Now, many of us are disappointed that there is a setback in the lifting of the restrictions. Uh, we have been looking forward to the physical meeting sometime in August. Uh, but now it seems like we have to uh, wait a bit longer. So let us be patient and pray that God, uh, in his own timing, uh, he will reopen the church doors. And so we will have to put our trust in God in times like this. Uh, even though it is difficult uh, or seems hard to put our faith in God, uh, let us trust him. And this is what we are going to learn this morning uh, from the life of Abraham. Uh, we learned last Sunday that Abraham started uh, a new life at the age of 75. Uh, this new life of Abraham is marked by faith in God. Abraham believed God's promise to him, and uh, he left his old life in earth and set out on a 1,200-kilometer journey and arrived at Canaan. Uh, in Canaan, he went from one end uh, to the other in a symbolic way to claim the land that God uh, has promised him. And whenever he, or wherever he went, uh, he built an altar to worship God and express his thanks uh, to, to God. At the same time, he proclaimed or he testified about God by proclaiming God's name in uh, God's name to the Canaanites. So we can see that uh, Abraham has been very enthusiastic in his newfound faith in God. He is serious uh, in his worship and he is fervent in his evangelism. Now this seems to describe the experience of some of us. Now some of us, when we first became, when we become Christians, uh, we are excited about our faith. Uh, we attend church regularly, we read the Bible diligently, and we are keen to share the gospel with other people. But it is not long before we hit a road a hump. Some ex unexpected events happen, um, and our maybe our uh, health fail. Um, maybe we lose our job, or maybe we lose our loved ones, and then our faith is tested. But we should not be surprised difficulties in our Christian faith. God will put trials in our life to test our faith. Why? Because God wants us to mature as Christians. As we learned previously, James, in, in, the, in the letter of James, James tells us that we should count it all joy whenever we meet trials of any kind because the testing of our faith will produce perseverance. And when perseverance finishes its course, we will grow into maturity so that we will be complete, not lacking anything. And so it is for our good that our faith is tested. And this is God's way to grow us, to be mature, to grow us, to trust God even more. 
This, will, this test will happen to all Christians. It happened to Abraham too. Abraham has just finished uh, surveying Canaan that God has promised to him. He arrives at Negev in the southern part or southernmost part of Canaan. Then a severe famine grips the land. And Abraham faces his first test of faith. Will he trust God to provide for him during the famine? Or will he try to run away to escape the famine? Well, sadly, Abraham lapses in his faith in two ways. First, he forgets to trust God. And second, in his failure to trust God, he relies on his own wisdom to work through the difficulty. But despite Abraham lapses, uh, Abraham's lapse in faith, God remains faithful to Abraham. And this is the kind of God we worship. And so this morning we are going to learn more about the God who will never abandon us when we are going through trials. But with each trial, God will strengthen us so that we will overcome it. And we find this to be true in Abraham's life. Now, Abraham's journey of faith is meant to encourage us today. So let us learn from Abraham's missteps of faith. Well, his first misstep of faith is that he forgets to trust God. So when faced with the famine, uh, Abraham does not ask God for help. Instead, he let his um, survival instinct take over. And instinct tells him to go where there is food. And there is food in Egypt. And so Abraham goes to Egypt. And we read this in chapter 12, verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. Well, in ancient times, the glories of Egypt are well known. And Abraham probably has heard about Egypt when he was in Ur. And now that Abraham is much nearer to Egypt, he has the urge to visit Egypt for himself. And so he sets up for Egypt and he intends to stay in Egypt until the famine is over. So we ask the question this morning, is Abraham's going to Egypt an act of disobedience? Well, the answer is that no, Abraham did not commit uh, an intentional sin. Well, Abraham just simply forgets God. So when faced with the famine, he forgets God. He forgets how great God is. And in going to Egypt, Abraham misses out the opportunity to learn that God, who calls him into the promised land, will be able to provide for him, even in time of famine. And this is our problem too, isn't it? We are like Abraham. When faced with difficulties, 
we often forget to first ask God for help. And instead of asking God for help, we rely on our own self-preservation. We rely on our own wisdom to solve our own problems. And so we take the easy way out of our difficulties. But when we take the easy way out, we often end up with more trouble. And this is what happens to Abraham. He thinks he will be in Egypt for a short while, but more trouble is already waiting for him in Egypt. In fact, Abraham is aware of this potential problem. It has to do with his wife, his wife Sarai. While Sarai is the original name of Sarah, but we will keep calling her Sarah. <clears throat> so in verses 11 and 12, Abraham tells uh, Sarah this. Um, I know that what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Now, Sarah is 65 years old and beautiful. Now, no offense to the older women here, uh, but you may wonder how Sarah manages to keep her exceptional beauty at her age. Well, the answer is this. We must remember that in her time, uh, human lifespan is about double hours today. And so um, Sarah would be in her early 30s in today's time. Now, Abraham recognizes that Sarah's eye-stopping beauty uh, could be a problem in Egypt. Someone might kill him to take Sarah for a wife. And so Abraham has reason to fear for his life. But he never asked God for protection. Instead, he comes up with his own plan to protect himself. And so this is the second misstep of Abraham's faith. In verse 13, uh, Abraham shares his deception with Sarah. And he says, Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. You see, Abraham wants Sarah to lie so that his life will not be in danger. And this deceptive scheme uh, may sound like Abraham is selfish, wanting only to preserve his life with no regard for the welfare of Sarah. But actually, Abraham is not as selfish as we may think. He is actually trying to save both Sarah and himself. You see, in the ancient world, uh, if a girl is without a father, the brother assumes uh, stewardship over um, the sister. So the brother assumes the responsibility in arranging marriage on the sister's behalf. And so whoever wants to take Sarah for a wife will have to negotiate with Abraham, her brother. Yeah? And, and during the time of negotiation, which may take uh, days, um, Abraham then can then plan for their escape. 
<clears throat> so that's the plan that um, Abraham poses as Sarah's brother. And if any uh, potential threat comes along, they can plan to escape with this scheme. So Abraham has no issue calling Sarah his sister because Sarah is uh, really his half-sister. And we learn this uh, later on in chapter 20. And we also learn uh, in chapter 20 that Abraham has already been employing uh, this deception since the day he and Sarah left Haran. And then you may remember, uh, Haran is the halfway stop between Ur and Canaan. <clears throat> so uh, for survival, they, they have been uh, using this scheme. Yeah. So it seems like this scheme is a necessary survival uh, skill. Now, and Abraham is probably quite proud of the scheme and probably congratulated himself for being uh, wise. And he prides himself as a responsible husband. And he's helping God. After all, if something were to happen to him, God's promise would be undone. But there is a problem. Abraham's deceptive scheme is not an act of faith. God is not in the picture. It is an action born out of human wisdom. And it is based on half a lie. You see, Abraham is trusting his own reasoning rather than trusting in God's word. But if he had trusted God's word, he would have remained in Canaan. Well, this is our problem too, isn't it? We are like Abraham. When faced with trouble, we come up with our own scheme and we try to solve it using our human wisdom. And we may even use half lies and half truths to justify our solution. And when faced with difficulties, we are often reluctant to ask God for help. And we forget that God is sovereign and we behave as if God doesn't exist until our scheme fails miserably. And that is what happened to Abraham. He thinks with his scheme, he has the problem under control. He thinks he can deal with any Egyptian who may negotiate for his sister. But Abraham fails to factor in Pharaoh. Pharaoh does not negotiate. Pharaoh takes what he likes. And Pharaoh takes Sarah, leaving Abraham devastated. <clears throat> So verse 14 and 15 tells us this. <clears throat> uh, when Abraham came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. So Abraham must be kicking himself. Sarah is now part of Pharaoh's harem. And Abraham's deceptive scheme has backfired. He's stuck. Abraham does not know what to do. But God knows what to do. And God will intervene 
to rescue Sarah. God will remain faithful to Abraham, even though Abraham lapses in his faith. You see, as we read, we find that as soon as Sarah is taken, uh, Pharaoh and his household are afflicted with serious diseases. But Sarah is spared the disease. And so Pharaoh then finds out Abraham's deception. And verses 18 and 19 tells us what happened next. Uh, <clears throat> 18, so Pharaoh summoned Abraham. What have you done to me? He said. Why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she is my sister? So that I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go away. Well, Pharaoh chastises Abraham before he returns Sarah unharmed to Abraham. And the last verse tells us that Abraham leaves Egypt in shame and returns to Canaan with Sarah. Now notice that Pharaoh acted more righteous than Abraham. Now, don't we sometimes see this irony that non-Christians behave better and are more upright than Christians? It's sad. It's ironical. We are supposed to be better behaved. We are supposed to be more upright. But yet, often, we find the reverse is true. And this happens when we believers forget to put our trust in God. When we fail to ask God for his help, and when we use worldly wisdom and deception to deal with our trials and our troubles, we will bring shame to Jesus and his gospel. Just like Abraham, because of his deception, he had no chance to proclaim the name of the Lord in Egypt. You see, Abraham started out so well as a man of faith. And scripture honors him among the greatest of godly men. But even Abraham stumbled in his faith. He stumbled because when the testing came, he forgot about God. So we can learn two lessons today. One, when trials come our way, we must not forget God. We must not turn to our own wisdom to solve our problems. Instead, we must remember that Jesus, uh, that uh, God is there for us. And the way to remember God is to look to Jesus. Jesus is the exact replication, uh, replication of uh, God. He's the image, the perfect image of God, and he is God. So Abraham was a great man of faith, but Jesus is the perfect man of faith. Abraham stumbled, but Jesus never stumbled. So when trouble comes, look to Jesus and call on his name, and Jesus will give us the strength 
to overcome our trials. Jesus will keep us from falling. He will sustain our faith. He will mature our faith. Now the second lesson is this. God will never abandon us even when we are weak in our faith. Like Abraham, we may lapse in our faith and we may reach the lowest point in our faith. Yet God <clears throat> will remain faithful to us. He will pick us up and he will work in us until his purpose is fulfilled. And God's purpose for us is to transform us into the image of his son, Jesus. So God will keep working to build us up, to build us, uh, build us up in our faith until we become more and more Christ-like. So this is the wonderful promise of God, isn't it? To all who put our trust uh, in God um, for salvation in Christ, God will never abandon us. That is so true. And so this morning, let us remember that. That even in this difficult time, God will never abandon us. Call on him, call on Jesus, and he will be there for us. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in your mercy, you have called us to be your holy people in Christ Jesus. Yet we are people of weak faith. And, and in your wisdom, you have put us through trials so that you will strengthen our faith, so that we will not forget you, so that we will keep trusting in you. So in our trials, please help us to look at your son, Jesus, who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And may you work in us so that we will be more and more like him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.